this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Ziak and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode. Thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. Those are the URLs you use to find the union. And a member of that union is joining us for this episode. He's back once again, Mr. Whitney Beeler. Welcome back to the program, sir. It's good to be back. It's good to be back. What previous episodes will people know you from, Whitney? Oh man, this is see. I knew this quiz was coming. I think I were. I think I was part of the uh, Muse, uh, Muse mm-hmm. of the nine in the nineties or something. Uh, Third Eye Blind, nineties mm-hmm. uh, Power Pop. What did you? What have you selected, though? Okay, so I brought some props, right? I love props. Right, so, yeah, so prop comedians uh, are my favorites. This is uh, called. This is uh, what do they call it? Um, oh, I can't. Th- I think I can't think of the right word. But here's the prop. So the Tories. There we go. Beautiful life, which you guys both said you was worthy album, right? Then we had yep. uh, Human Radio. I can't do this. Human Radio. Yep. There you go. And that was uh, that was a better EP, I guess. And then uh, last year was Caviar. Ah, uh, yeah. The dude's from Fig Dish. And that was it. Those are the three. And you, I think you guys gave that worthy album too, or maybe Tim said EP and Jason said uh, said worthy. I can't quite. Remember. I think it was flipped. I think Jay was EP. I don't remember. We got to get a spreadsheet going or something, Jay. I can't keep yeah, track we, of this. We should be keeping track People of that. People are living and dying. <laughs> you, guys say, you, know. uh, you also joined us for the Nevermind 500th episode roundtable, the massive roundtable, and then the Dada oh. American Highway Flower. Oh, I forgot that one. I enjoyed that one. Episode, as well as what you mentioned, Muse, and um, – our albums of 1991 episode that was just uh, last month or two months ago, depending on when this episode drops, I guess two months wow. ago. Well, thanks yeah, for I know. Well, it's all on our website, digmeoutpodcast.com. Every guest gets their own page with a sweet headshot. <laughs> it's turning now into a, a nice little resource. If that, if you listen to this episode and you end up liking this record, you can just go click on Whitney's bio and see the other records he picked. And exactly. Yeah. It's like there's some thought put into it. (laughs) Um, So without further ado, share with us and the audience, the album that we will be revisiting on this episode. Uh, More props. Uh, Shades apart by our eyewitness by shades apart. 1999. And how did you come upon this band? I have no clue. I don't remember. I know I bought the album when it, just after it came out. I must have, I think I heard it in a record store or something. That's how I found out a lot of stuff. Okay. I think I heard Stranger by the Day on some TV show too. I can't remember which one. But. Well, it was also on the American Pie soundtrack. Ah, that's what it was. It wasn't a TV show. It's on yep. American Pie. Yep. And I think that, yeah, I think I heard, uh, they just, somebody just put it on when I was in a record store and it's, I kind of liked it and, 
yeah, still like it. From my research, uh, Valentine was a, a single that did well regionally for okay. the band. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jay, were you familiar at all with this band? I wasn't. I, this album came up in a poll, I want to say, last summer. And uh, there was a lot of chatter about it. And I, I was interested in it, but I couldn't really... I had never heard of it, heard of them, heard of the album. And like the album cover didn't give me a ton of information. So yeah. I was intrigued what this band was about. So let me give you a little history on the band. History of the band. They're from Bridgewater Township, New Jersey, formed in 1988, was three members the entire time. Uh, Kevin Lynch on bass and backing vocals, Ed Brown on drums, and Mark, I'm going to massacre your name, Mark, Vicciarelli, Vicarelli, Vecciarelli. Vecarelli, it's it's probably like a fellow Italian. Like and I'm messing it up. He's like a hockey player or something. He's got a hockey player name. Yes, he does. <laughs> so he should be he should be playing uh, uh, defense for the Rangers. Yes, exactly. He's on guitar and vocals. We'll just call him Mark V. And um, so, as I mentioned, they formed in 1988. They put out uh, a number of albums between '88 and then also. Uh, between 2000 and then 2001 and then also like a lot of bands uh reformed last year and put out a record called eternal echo the first release was the self-titled on wishing well records in 88 then they put out a an ep in 1992 the album neon came out on skeen records in 1993 and then they signed to revelation and they released save it in 1995 that was produced by Bill Stevenson of The Descendants, along with um, Stephen Edgerton, Egerton, uh, also from The Descendants. So they had some, they had some guys, you know, some name guys working with them yeah. for that. They also put out, this had a single that did somewhat well, a cover of Tainted Love, which people know that from. It was covered by Soft Cell in the 80s, but it's actually originally a song by um, Gloria Jones from 1964. Um, and they put out a second album on Revelation, Seeing Things, came out in 1997. Then they signed to Universal Records and they released this album, Eyewitness, in 1999. That's what got them onto the um, American Pie soundtrack with the song Stranger by the Day. And their follow-up, Sonic Boom, came out in 2001. Then they were on hiatus. And then last year, as mentioned, Eternal Echo on Hell-Minded Records. So let's get into the comments over at Patreon. And as Jay mentioned, this, this band has come up before on our Patreon page in a poll previously. Lots of peas there whole previous patreon <laughs> willie dylan said the resemblance to jay robbins vocally is rather uncanny and instrumentally sounds somewhat similar to the stuff he would do uh, later on i feel like it could use some more grit though jeremy amen four tracks in hearing what sounds like a cross between a slowed down all and possum dixon first possum dixon mentioned on the show jay <laughs> really ever are you kidding i me? think so well, we've never reviewed them, and I can't imagine why they would come up if we didn't review them. 
they don't get compared to a lot of bands. <laughs> so I think I have that. I have that. On, I have that CD somewhere here. Everybody does. If yeah, you were, okay. if you bought a CD in the nineties, you got that out of the um the cut out, cut out bin for a yeah, dollar. Um, Jeremy says the voice was reminding me of someone, but I couldn't quite place it on track three. It hit me, John Faye from the Caulfields with, dare I say, a little Glenn Phillips mixed in. Giordano's production is expectedly very clean, so I agree this could use some more grit. And uh, he mentions that's Lou Giordano, who is one of the producer extraordinaires of the 90s, worked with Green Day and Goo Goo Dolls and other bands that start with G. Um, He said, honestly, my recollection of Shades was that they were more punk than this, so this was a bit of a surprise. Back in 1999, I probably would have been all over this album. Now six tracks in, it's hard for my jaded ass to imagine I'll give this a worthy album vote, but we'll see. I'm willing to spin it twice before I decide. <laughs> Good selection, Whitney. Uh, Patrick Testa says, I had the same experience. I feel like there's someone this guy sounds exactly like, and Jeremy nailed a good list of guys. He sounds like sometimes I'll throw Elvis Costello in there too. As a, sometimes um, good company to be in, but I like all those other guys slightly better. He's like Toad the Possum Caulfield Costello, but less distinctive. <laughs> this suffers only by comparison and being a bit more generic, which might be the same thing, but I like him better than Corey Hart. Why are you messing with Corey Hart? I don't know. That was an unnecessary shot there. That was so random, Mr. Testa. It's getting testy. Richard Waterman, love this album. Reminds me of Summer 99. I was already a fan, having bought Save It and seeing things on import from the U.S. They cost 30 pounds each, but they were worth it. I already, I'd already heard Stranger by the Day on the American Pie soundtrack. and loved that song. That song and this album were definite attempts at late 90s radio play. At the time, you had Sugar Ray and Lit, Tim and Jay's favorite band, mm-hmm. receiving lots of airplay. So Shades Apart fit with that scene like a glove. Eyewitness is poppier, slicker, and more direct than the first two albums, especially production-wise. Before this album, they were much more punk rock, but still with massive hooks. The producer, Lou Giordano, at a hand in Copper Blue and Beaster by Sugar, Clumsy by Sam I Am. <coughs> And Rising Tide by Sunny Day, amongst others. Favorite tracks, Sputnik, Valentine, Know-It-All, and Stranger by the Day. The next album called Sonic Boom has some of the worst album art ever. This is a worthy album. Yeah, the next album has like post-90s uh, sponge artwork. If you know the band Sponge, all their artwork in the 2000s is horrific. <laughs> and um, that's what that looks like. <laughs> however this album's art is amazing yeah. yeah this is a very cool album artwork um jerry men says to richard the sugar connection was what made me decide to check it out while on the clock instead of waiting only to forget about it later i think i saw these guys open for the descendants in cincy april 2nd i believe but i can't f- confirm solid live bam if i recall and a three-piece too, right? Need to listen to this in the car over the weekend to determine if i'm a fan of this production or not bass and melody are strong our strengths. I'm at an EP after one listening, listen, but leaning toward an album. I did read an interview. Uh, one, the two of the members of the band did an overview of their entire catalog for a website when their album came out last year. And they said that they were basically like the, the opening band for all other bands. Like they never did a major headlining tour. They were just always opening for other artists. 
And that it wasn't until 99 when Valentine started to break a little bit on radio that people actually like recognized one of their songs <laughs> and like were singing along at a show because they were always opening for somebody else's audience. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Steve Musinski, I'm inclined to agree about hearing some Jay Robbins in the vocal, but I also can't help but hear the poppier side of Bad Religion at play here, particularly the vocal. This is a cool record. Made me go back and spin Save It and seeing things as well. And I loved him so much. I just spin every eyewitness for a second time or just spun. Uh, this is a worthy album all the way for me. I've been sleeping on this band way too long, despite owning four of their albums on CD. Another great pick by Whitney. Yeah, yes, he remembered. Gary Kalmick, I remember seeing Sneaker Pimps. I remember buying Sneaker Pimps to give to a friend and liking it so much that I kept it for myself. Oh, this is the wrong... No, Gary, you're in the wrong section. <laughs> <laughs> wrong poll, Gary. That's that's the poll. You should be in the poll. I should have read that beforehand. Uh, everything we do is right on the fly. I don't, I don't prepare anything but listen to the record. I'm too busy and enthralled by the records we're listening to. Um, Cal Bittner says, sometimes when I go back and listen to a nineties album, I can put myself in the place and time of the album, particularly if I'm familiar with it. In some cases, the album is so timeless sounding that even I don't know if I can still relate. Unfortunately, this album is not the case. It's not a bad album, but it's not memorable to me. It's a standard pop punk album, albeit a good one. Darren Lehman, great album, easy breezy. Listen some excellent drum work, alt rock and power pop punk leanings with some ska flourishes. I'm now definitely a fan of Shades Apart. Excellent driving album. Also a nice hidden, nice little hidden gem. Gary Moran. This was so, this was much better than expected. That's a big compliment, Karen, from, from, from Dirty Gert. Uh, so Patrick Sesta also commented one last time. Shades Apart claim eyewitness, but they might be, the, but they might be the criminal. With what a judge might decree great irony, they are caught holding three stolen elements of the police in the very first song alone. We'll get into that. I think I know what he's talking about. Um, so let's get into the record. Jay, tell me one thing you liked about Eyewitness by Shades Apart. Hooks, hooks, hooks. Um... This this record is full of uh, hooks all over the place. A lot of them, uh, I think, with the vocal. I heard immediately "Bad Religion." That was my sort of touchstone when I heard him sing. Um, obviously, it's a much more polished and you know mm-hmm. melodic vocal forward version about that religion. But I thought that's what his voice sounded like to me. Um, and he just brings a so much um inflection and subtlety well that's subtle melodic little things um you know a lot of the cases he could sing these lines in ways that would be much less interesting you know he he like knows how to add little you know extra notes in there or add a lot of movement that just makes everything just hooky to me like no matter what he's singing on this it's immediately something you can hum along to you can to to me the kind of the test is when you hear somebody sing could you imagine another instrument playing that you know and if you could and it would make sense and be melodic 
played on a piano as like a little single note thing or whatever instrument you pick, then to me, it's like, you've got a pretty good melody there. And this album is full of that vocally. Um, I, I also like, you know, I, there's a good like chunkiness to it. I, I don't, I would never say it's heavy, but it's definitely got a nice hard rock feel um, mm-hmm. throughout. It's got a lot of energy. Um, I like the drummer quite a bit. So like right as the record kicks in, you get this huge burst of, of toms um, that just creates this big epic, epic sound and kind of draws you in right away. There's some, you know, O's and sing along, you know, vocals that again, kind of just create this, you know, kind of fun, big sound. Um, guitar work is tasteful. You know, it's, there's nothing on this. It's like, mind-blowing but it's you know solid it's it works for the songs i do enjoy some of the little like you know sidesteps in the in the reggae just a little bit they do i think they do a really good job of like maybe like the police would be a good example of like Mm -hmm. they pull the that string they're like you know go there for inspiration and just add a little bit of flavor but they don't stay there long enough where you're like oh they're doing a reggae song or, oh, they're doing a ska song. It's just like a section of the verse. Um, and the last thing I think for me that just works really well about this is they're just very good at writing um, dynamic parts. So like every, it's almost like every part has two parts. Like the verse has two parts. The pre-chorus has two parts. The chorus has two parts. So in that you end up with, you know, just this, this great dynamic um, you never get sort of bored with any one thing. Um, but they do it in a way that doesn't become forced or exhaustive. Like I'm thinking of like the wild hearts do that as well. But I think you and I both responded a little bit to like being exhausted by that record, doing that so mm. much, like so many shifts. It's like, you kind of want them just to stick with something for a while and then almost simplify the songs a little bit. Um, right where this is, I don't know, there's just a fluid, easy nature to it. But when you really break it down, you're like, Ooh, that part's different than this part. And they, you know, they're constantly like shifting things and building on the section. So you, you have a B section for almost everything, which I think is really sophisticated. Like it's not something that you do on your first record, you know, it, right. You either get to this point through a lot of work up front, um, or an amazing producer or an amazing teacher, or just like, you're just incredibly talented, but most bands like, you know, can't get to this level without one of those, um, one of those ingredients. And I'm guessing, you know, they having been a band since the eighties, by the point when they got here, they had tried, tried and experimented with a bunch of different things and really knew what they wanted to do. And, you know, how to craft songs at this point and that comes through loud and clear as soon as the record kicks off and all the way through um, to, to some of the stuff towards the mid and later, which, you know, kind of gets in a ballad area, which isn't, you know, expected when you read the bio and then they're described as a hardcore punk band. Is falling from the sky in the middle of July. Sound. The silence 
lips echo down the hall. No one's there at all. Dial your number, lock your voices. Everything is inside out. Don't know what it's about. It keeps getting stranger by the day. Stranger by the day. It keeps getting stranger by the day. So yeah, that's right. some of the stuff that I liked. What about yeah, you, Tim? I, I think you can definitely tell and learning that stuff about the guys from the Descendants producing their previous record when you when you can hear their their influence, but how they have streamlined it. You know, from being a punk band, punk in the '90s really really emphasized those hooks. You know, with Green Day and The Offspring and and Bad Religion and and all those bands, especially and it's interesting because they're a New Jersey band. So I would have thought they would have leaned more towards the New York stuff, but they were clearly influenced by what was going out go, going on across the country, and um, you can hear the distillation of of that sound where um, this is a band that is supremely confident in their ability to write songs. I mean, like you said, there's just so many hooks and um, all the songs are really well developed. I think having guy like Lee Giordano behind the board and, and with them in the studio, who's a, a master at this kind of sound um, probably helped even more because not only is he got an ear for like great guitar riffs and keeping a band just like incredibly tight he also knows how to find hooks for radio if you listen to what he's produced so it's nice because you get that like he has like a credibility as a producer he's not just a pop producer he's got this lineage of producing really cool records but then he also has a, a reputation for you know putting bands on the radio so and all that sort of fits together perfectly on this record um you get those elements all combining into into one and like you know there there are like just just song after song after song of hooks and um i did find it funny like i i with the comment about the police there's like a subtle nod to the police I don't know if it's subtle, but there's the the so lonely line in the first track and the first song. And um, I kind of did do a double take. I didn't pick up a lot like you mentioned about like Scott, like this isn't the boss tones in terms of yeah. Scott. Like it's very subtle and they, yeah. they use it very like uh, sparingly. And it's and it's done well in that sense. Um, now, when I go back and like listen to some of the police stuff, I kind of sometimes I cringe a little bit because I'm like, wow, they're really leaning on this ska and, and upstrokes and <laughs> it can get a little um, repetitive. And, and I'm also like, what? These were like three white dudes from London. Like what, what are they doing? Um, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, just in terms of, of what worked, I mean, it's just like, there's so much good happening with this record. And, um, it reminded me of, you know, what it reminded me of is American hi-fi. 
and how I really liked the first single and then was completely let down by like the rest of the record. Mm. And this finds the balance. I don't think it has the killer single that that record did, um, but it's got, it's more spread out. Is that flavor of, of the week, by the way? Yeah, flavor okay. of the week. I, I was struggling with the title. Okay. Yep. Agreed. And um, I mean, like, I remember that song debuting, and I was like, "Holy cow, this is going to be like the next cheap trick," and then it wasn't. <laughs> um. So yeah. So, what works best for you, Whitney, on this record? Uh, I don't think um, I surprise anyone by you know having my fourth pick be another like hooky melodic catchy album i uh i want to come on here and start talking about some uh Go- gojira or some <laughs> or something you know but i it's just not me right i like to listen to that kind of stuff but it's not the stuff that i really want to talk i just about. want to interrupt for one sec we have done the last three episodes we've recorded are scratch acid for the 80s episode yeah which by the way if you if you're not a member of a patreon community you can listen to our 80s episodes at patreon um Scratch Acid, which is a noise rock band. The one that you just mentioned, which I have a hard time pronouncing, the Gero Giri Gigi Gi, which is the, the most noise rock album that's probably ever existed. Royal Trucks. And then we did the Neil Young episode, which also includes the album Arc. Yeah. So Jay and I have been getting assaulted by noise rock for basically <laughs> a month straight. And so this was definitely like my ears almost were like, uh, where's the, where's the noise? Like, right. <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, it's, I don't think I'd surprise anyone. This, this record sounds great. I love the production. Um, somebody mentioned in the comments that it's a great driving record. Um, it, it would sound great cranked up in your car. I don't know if anybody does it anymore. Everybody drives Ubers or rides Ubers. So I don't know if that might be an outdated <laughs> reference, but you know, this is an album. Like I used to, you used to have parties at your house and you just put some music on. And this was one of those albums that people would be like, who is that? What, you know, who's that? I never heard of them. And, you know, they really like it because it's immediately earwormy, just grabs you, doesn't let go. I know some people would listen to it and go, God, it kind of sounds the same. But uh, to what Jay was saying, I always find things in this album and I've listened to it 10 times in the last week. And I always find things in this album that, that those different parts to the the verse you know different um, um some of the stuff they do when they lead into solos or guitar solos and come out with guitar solos is so cool um i'm not a uh, i'm not a bad religion social social distortion uh, fan you know I, I think as kind of punk as i get it's probably like all you know and that was more just goofball stuff right and that was you mentioned edgerton and uh I forget the other guy's name. Um, so this isn't really where I spent a lot of time. I went back and listened to some of their other stuff, like early, the first Shades Apart album, um, Neon, which is the second one. Um, I wasn't familiar with those. And you can tell that the seeds for this album are there because as much as people want to say, oh, they're you know, hardcore punk or whatever, geez, I don't hear that at all. Even in their really, really early stuff. I don't think that... I think this album is slick because the producer made it slicker, but I think like in Save It and Seeing Things, those I've got those albums as well. And I could have talked about those. Uh, those have a kind of a uh, gravelly kind of 
this guitar sounds like a saw, you know, I just love that stuff too. But this just to me has the strongest, the strongest set of tunes to it. It's most consistent. Um, a couple of times it gets a little generic with the ballads and I know the lyrics, you know, the lyrics aren't going to, aren't going to, uh, the lyrics aren't going to enlighten many people on much of anything. I think this is a band that probably just got, you know, just got tired of, just got, got tired of being pissed off about stuff all the time and just said, let's just make a pop record with the hell, you know, and just, and came up with this as far as lyrics and, and the sounds are great. It's just a well-crafted album. You know, the edges are just kind of ground down uh, and it's just max tunefulness, you know, everything's an earworm, even the ballads. Uh, that's, and I just, I can put myself in a place where, you know, this record meant, you know, there was a, a lot of folks that were, were uh, part of my late twenties life when we went bars and partying, you know, and this was an album that everybody seemed to really like. Um, so it's, it's kind of got a history with me. Yeah. I played it in the, we were traveling on a road trip this weekend and um, we had, so we didn't have self-service from a lot of the drive. So I only had a couple albums downloaded and this was one of them. And my wife never asked me to turn this off, which is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, at this point, <clears throat> you know, as yeah. you get older, the tolerance for different kinds of music can start to fade on some folks. And she never said a word. So I was like, yeah. huh? Okay. So it's just, it's very accessible. Did she ask you to turn off scratch acid? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and Jason as well, because it was too depressing. Oh, God. There was no way I could even play like 30 seconds of that in my house. It would be just like, God, turn it off, please. Yeah. Well, we've... And it's, we've, and it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Absolutely fine. No, no, no. It's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, Jay, what doesn't work for you on this record? Yeah, I mean, it, it. well, one, it would be, it definitely has some 90s feel going on. I would say what I hear is some of the guitar rhythm stuff, like specifically the the kind of palm muting chuggy thing um, mm -hmm. on some of the songs. Like that's something that didn't really become prevalent until the 90s and people still do it now. But to me, when I hear that, it's like, boom, okay, that's a 90s sounding record whenever I hear that kind of chicka chicka kind of thing. Um, and there's quite a bit of that. Um, there are some, some steps into ballads that I struggle with because I think they're actually really good songs. I just feel they're just a little soft for me. Some of the moments, um, one starry night's an example. Like I yeah. have that highlighted as a song I like, that chorus is a hit song chorus. There's no doubt about it. As soon as you hear that, you're like, how is this song not a huge hit? Angela hears the music play. She's arrogant, suddenly the lights change. Dare she let her heart take this one chance.
the saxophone is works great. It's just not my thing. <laughs> no, but, I agree with you totally on that one. By the end of the song, I'm like, what? I mean, it kind of wa- it washes over me because it kind of flows with the rest of the record. But I remember like, the first time I kind of noticed it, I was like, uh, this is like Kenny G. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, where are we going here? But as I dissected it a little bit more, I was like, but it's still a really good song. Like, it should have been a huge hit. It's that good. Um, same thing for with Valentine. Like, it's okay. It's a little generic like rock ballad 90s rock ballad sounding to me um so you know and, and some of the lyrics some of the lyrics are really good i like milan other lyrics usually on the ballads are a little goofy or not a little lazy so, um but other than that there's not a there's not much more for me to complain i mean there's a couple songs that are you know maybe not as strong as others they're not terrible they're just you know there's one or two album tracks on here too. Um, but, but that's kind of it. I mean, I think it's really for me, the ballads and just some of the moments here and there where riffs are a little too 90 sounding. I had a problem with the, the sound of the rhythm guitar. I just, there's just the tone didn't work for me. Yeah. It had this very polished and, um, I don't know if it's like just the way it's EQ'd or, but there's like, it's all mid range and it's like very, very generic sounding. Yeah. And I just needed like a little bit more personality to that guitar because it just reminded, it just reminded me of like so many bands at the end of the nineties that yeah. had that tone, something like the X's and like, all these huh. bands that like came out of nowhere and they all had this like very, they all had like gr- really interesting hooks and melodies, but then I would like listen to the song. I'm like, ev- every guitar tone sounds the same. I don't know what they were doing. It's sort of like now when I listen to hip hop and every hip hop song has the exact same hi-hat <laughs> beat. <laughs> and I'm like, are you all same. using the same loop for the hi-hat? Because it yeah. always sounds the same. Probably using that uh, trap beat. The, yeah. band that, the band that I thought of sonically maybe maybe this is what you're going to is um do you remember alien ant farm oh yeah absolutely <laughs> that michael jackson cover yeah i think that's well, something i'm really known for yeah the sound of that is there's moments of this record where it reminded me of how that sound like the that tight sort of mid-rangey guitar like all the lows chopped off you know it's really really tight and compact and rhythmic like that sonically was where I had a tie to like, okay. And I definitely, I think to your point too, it's a late nineties kind of production. I mean, I can be that specific about it. Just lit is another band that came to mind. um, that kind of had that same sound (laughs) sonically, not songwriting wise, but just like what this, you know, how it was produced. I didn't. I didn't get the Jay Robbins comparison. Like immediately off off the bat, I was like, "Oh, this is this." He sounds like, um, is it? What's the lead singer of? Is it Greg Gaffin? Is that the lead singer of, of Bad Religion? Um, yeah, I heard it, and I was like, "Oh, but this guy can actually like sing a little bit yeah. better." Yeah, right. <laughs> so I was cool with that because I don't mind when people like have similar voices. Hmm. So it's just like, can you deliver the lines? I, can you I, deliver the melodies? And 
He's got a great tone. I mean, and that's yeah. what to me. It's like that that rasp in his voice. Um, yeah, he's able to control it more and do more with it. But it's, from I think from a tone standpoint, it's right dead on with um, Bad Religion. I do, I do agree with you. I much prefer the up tempo stuff to any of the the slower tracks. Um, I just feel like his vocal works better as a band. They do more interesting things. Um, um, I just, I really want like, you know, just give me 10 rockers out of, out of, out of this band and then, and I'm good. Well, even like, um, chasing daydreams, which is a very power ballad chorus. I think the verses of that song are really cool because they do like a guitar harmonic. I'm a mm-hmm. sucker for harmonics, which is a really clever way to handle a verse, you know, instead of doing the palm muting or the clean guitar strumming like right that's because really... of where his vocal sits you can pull off those notes right I give that song a pass because I just think that is that sounds so cool and that verse is so strong that when they get mm-hmm. to that chorus that is a little generic power ballad sounding, I'm, I'm okay because the verse is so good. Yeah, I like the I like the I'm with Kim about liking the rockers more and the ballads like One Starry Night Time Machine. They're better than average ballads, and yeah, the chorus on One Starry Night is killer. But uh uh, what Jay was saying about chasing daydreams, though, that guitar harmonic is such a cool way to, it made that ballad really interesting. But I think my favorite moment of the record is at about two minutes when the guitar solo kicks in. He plays that guitar solo out, and then there's a, a bass run in there that turns the the solo into this just choppy, just tony. Um, I, I don't know how to put it, just it's a great part of the song. Um, just love it to death. And it's just, it's goosebump time for me when that part of the song comes on. Um, That's my favorite part of that, that song. My favorite part of the album is that, that last half of that song. But um, yeah, you know, and I, I was thinking about what you guys said about some of the bands they sound like. Um, the producer is a Giordano. Is that how you say his name? Mm-hmm. You know, people mentioned Copper Blue, but then I was looking through his, his, uh, his, discography or whatever and he's got all kinds of albums that aren't hit albums that i love and i've actually thought about talking about with you on the show like actual size by muzzle uh that's what love songs often do by fig dish um yeah well anyway by smart bomb uh so long a story by the ataris a date with the smithereens so he's he's hitting that that 90 sweet spot for me that i Hmm. like much it's that late nineties, early aughts kind of pop punk sound, but it isn't, it isn't there yet. I mean, it's, 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 um, it's in that hole between grunge and, and, um, and, uh, and that pop punk kind of 
spot where pop punk took off really. So I mentioned that Valentine charted a little bit when this came out and um, they did get some push because of the American Pie soundtrack. But overall, uh, from what I read with their regard to the interview, when they went to do their next record, Universal wasn't like, hey, you guys, you had so much success. We can't wait to see what you do next. It was more like, all right, we're contractually obligated to put out another <laughs> record uh let's get it done um so i was trying to think about 1999 think back 20 21 years ago um i feel like there's some potential for this but then also 99 is such a weird space because if you think about it like i mean when I think about what I was listening to, this is like the first Muse record and Coldplay's first album. And there's almost like a resurgence of like British bands in, in the US. Like I remember our, our radio station was playing that stuff and Travis. And and then also then so then you go to like the hard rock station is playing like Creed, Limp Biscuit, uh, Corn, Nickelback. <laughs> and I'm like, well, where is this? I mean, I guess there's still some like alt rock stations that are around, although there a lot of them have gotten eaten up at this point by by uh you know the telecommunications act that Mr. Peterson likes to mention. And um like the the format's even shifting. So I'm like, man, this band was not like in the best sort of space to be putting out this record. Cause like I wonder if this had come out a couple years earlier when say, or, or even just a year or two or like 97, when the color and shape comes out or. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. So uh, for me though, I think I was right in the middle of all this. Like this was where fountains of Wayne were, where fastball was. Mm-hmm. Dada, ultimate Facebook, semi-sonic marvelous three. Czar. Um, there Sloan, I guess there was a lot going on in the late nineties. It just wasn't really on the radio that much. I mean, right. Foo Fighters, Weezer had something. Well, no, they didn't really. That's when Pinkerton came out, wasn't it? Pinkerton so came anyway, out in 96. Well, it, was, it was, yeah, somewhere. And they didn't. And then the green album came out like mm-hmm. 2000 or 2001. Yeah. So that's about, the, that's about where they were here. Right. I mean, close. Yeah. Uh, so I was kind of into that stuff. Right. I wasn't really into Creed or, Oh God, no, I can't even think of all those new metal bands and all of that stuff. Really, I wasn't into that, but I think I might be just a hair older than your run of the mill. Uh, not that anyone's run of the mill in DLA, right? But <laughs> just an expression, just an expression. I think I'm a little bit older. So I wasn't so much into like grunge was something that I just latched onto and I was blown away by that. But I think I still kind of followed this kind of you know i followed matthew sweet into the late 90s and i followed you know and got hung up on the Foo fighters and all that stuff right so i think that they did they did fit in with some things but not not what was really going crazy on the radio so right was really right Foo fighters are kind of an exception all the time yeah well i mean that's they've got the lineage and you know yeah. And Dave Grohl is the ambassador of rock and roll. So right. there's think, some stuff. I think there. I threw Collective Soul in there too, didn't I? I don't know if I said them or not, but 
you know, I don't know how people would feel about Collective Soul, but they were really popular in the late 90s. And... Yeah, and they, they've managed to stay relevant even till now. Yeah. I mean, they still make records that are that do well and they stream well and they seem to be able to pull an audience, at least regionally, yeah. uh, for them. So uh, let's, you know, we had our comments earlier. Let's get over to what the poll results were for this episode at Patreon. We always put up a Worthy Album, Better EP, Decent Single poll for our uh, album reviews. And uh, before we do that, before I release the results to the world, Steve Kornacki style, uh, Jay, where do you land on this record? Worthy Album, Better EP, or Decent Single? Worthy Album. Uh, I'd only, I don't know that it would cut anything. Uh, you know, I, I think there's some, you know, parts that are, aren't as good as others. You know, it's not solid. Um, you know, all, all um, check marks for me, but I think even the songs that I would remove are so well written and so well crafted that they're not bad songs. You know, I think there, there's an audience for them. Um, so yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to wear the album. I, I thought this was really strong. Um, as a, as, and it holds up well, I think as a, like there's not a point in the record where I feel wow, this is getting boring or this section I don't not really into. It's more, there's bits of songs um, or a song where you're like, okay, this one's not as good as the other ones, but like, I'll still listen to it because it's so damn hooky. <laughs> right. um, so, you know, uh, there, there's not much to quibble with here um, in terms of, uh, for me, in terms of it being an album. Um, I'm going to say we're the album, but I would trim, I would like to get this to 10 songs <laughs> as my prerogative. Tim's a hard ass. <laughs> I would like to trim time machine and Gabrielle. Those are the, those are the two songs I feel like are that, yeah. the, the least interesting to me. Uh, but I think this is a very solid record and really interesting in terms of its, um, where it's coming from, from this band in terms of their history and um they're content they, you know they like you mentioned all those bands they're still doing something slightly different than all those bands that you mentioned that had albums out at this okay. time yeah um i mean they're in that ballpark but like you know fountains of wayne doesn't exactly fit in with anybody they're doing no. their unique thing yeah. but yet i can still see them being i can see how they are in the same ballpark as this band and i can see how they're in the same ballpark as you know, I mean, we think about it in like another year or two years, you're going to get the Jimmy Eat World Bleed American album, which is not far off no. from this. Um, so it's there's there's a lot happening at this time with with bands like this that are um, making interesting. I, I would just I would say, is it power pop punk? Is that the correct term? I don't know what to call it. I should probably try to like leave the power pop genre out of this whole thing for one episode at least. Right? <laughs> Seems like I'm totally associated with that, but yeah, I would agree with you there for sure. And of course you're going to make it a, a three for three in, in where the album, right? Yeah. So, so honestly um, I'm like, 
doing this recording like in a downstairs bedroom and not in my normal office because I was so unsure about what you guys would think about this that I thought I didn't want my family upstairs to hear me crying in the upstairs office. <laughs> oh, man. Because I was just on. like, oh, they're going to be, it's generic. It sounds the same. <laughs> you know, but yeah, so yeah, totally um, worthy album. Uh, and you know what? Go back and listen to Seeing Things. It's got great songs like Fearless and Cathode on it and Save It. They're they're all, they're good albums. And they're, and if you like, if you like it to a little rougher, a little bit noisier, from a guitar perspective, like you were saying, Kim, I think that has that kind of guitar, maybe with some more personality. And um, gotcha, yeah. But this you is know, just I, great. I knew we were in good shape from the first, like from the opening of the first song. I was like, oh, okay, I, I like what's going on here. So yeah. this is, uh, yeah, this is this is in the ballpark of uh, of uh, you know, I think what this whole podcast is about which is digging out these interesting well-constructed records that just didn't get any you know nationwide appreciation and are you know worth checking out again and, and it, sucks. it sucks that it didn't i mean to me it sucks yeah. that it didn't because i don't see how you could listen to this and go well this is just shit i mean you might not like it that much but it, you can't say it's not well crafted and it's not well recorded and it's not well written you know, right. Yeah. It's just not pissed off enough for a punk crowd, right? But it's Well, yeah, and I did read a review from 99 that was basically like this is garbage cuz it's not punk. And I, okay, well, it's rock. All right, yep. fine. Get off the genre thing, right? I mean, whatever. It, I'm so sick of genres. It's like just is it good or is it not? Do you like it? Right. Or not? You know? yeah. It's just a way to help people that do reviews explain what something is like, you know. Mhm. So, well, our poll was uh were the album 55 percent of the dig me out patreon vote went to were the album 36 percent went to better ep and just nine percent to decent single all right so we're still after that landslide yes this was not a landslide this but you know what you won both a uh, majority and a plurality and a duality and a uh, something else. I don't know. Positivity. Well, I'd like to thank everyone for, for <laughs> doing that for me. Thank everyone for I'll voting be able for to you. Sleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you uh, for suggesting this, and, and of course, thank you for supporting the podcast and and being a part of the community. We love having you all the uh all the folks on the on the dig me out discord uh love chatting with all of you it's a lot of fun yeah i get my full sugar ray fix there all that i need i missed out on sugar ray talk apparently i've been busy the last few days it must ah that's all right we've moved on we 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 quickly moved on from sugar ray uh to talking about um the life and times as one would normally jump from Sugar Ray to a, uh, a shoegaze post rock band That's from the two thousands. I think. Yeah, I'm afraid. I'm afraid to say if it's good or not. I, it's good. No, no, no. I don't want to get kicked stuff. off. It is good. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the, the the gentleman who were in Shiner reformed uh, yes. slightly. As uh, as Life and Times. Love Shiner. So, Can I do Starless sometime? I think that's a yes. album. That's is a, Starless think, or is the Egg the two thousand? 
record. I think Egg is 2000. The Egg is 2001. And I think Starless is 2000. I love Well, Star- that's grandfathered in because they made uh, they two made, records um, in the 90s. Yeah. It was Lulu Divinia or something like that. That's the one we've reviewed. Lula, yeah. Lula Divinia or something. See, I'm yep. just not power popper, right? And and Splay came out before that. Okay. So you're you're well established. You can you can uh, uh, go with a 2000 record. I might do um, that. I don't know. We'll see. No. <laughs> Nobody cares. Don't act like they do. <laughs> the Shiner heads will. Yeah, love me for Shiner me. Yeah. Um, want to remind all the folks listening that uh, you can su- you can suggest an album by going to digmeoutpodcast.com. We have a web page there where you can just drop your album suggestion in, give us a little comment while you're picking it, and we will put it in a future poll that will be voted on at Patreon. And you can join us at Patreon for as little as two bucks a month to support the podcast, keep our bills paid, keep our uh, our, our T-shirts getting sent out, keep our stickers getting sent out, get our, our sweet, sweet uh, uh, musician cards that go out with our... Uh, You'll get one randomly with your sticker. Uh, Whitney, did you, did you, what, do you remember which one you got? Uh, uh, yeah. Um, EMF. Nice. Uh, <laughs> I forget what song. Oh, they're the, so unbelievable. unbelievable, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That was mine. That was the winner. All right. For, for 2021, when I sent them out starting in January, I did all British pop singers. Cause it's, it's the box set that we bought is, is uk based it's not american based from the 90s so there's all these british pop singers i have no idea who they are so i was like i'm just gonna start throwing these in there randomly like i was trying to go with ones that i knew and i'm like i'm running out of people that i know (laughs) who i don't know who these people are i've never heard of karen white or or bill jackson or all these people i'm like i whatever i'm just throwing them in good luck hope you enjoy them Well, I feel honored that I got somebody that I've actually heard of. So. Right. There are very few bands that like you'd be like, wow, I can't believe they're in there. Like, that's a mm-hmm. cool band to be in there. It's like, no, it's like Jesus Jones, EMF, mm-hmm. the Soup Dragons, all my favorite Fiero jam bands from the uh, from 1991. <laughs> uh, also, Fiero. Pontiac Fiero, Pontiac Fiero nice. GT. Not bad. Uh Patreon is also where you can go to read the box newsletter or you can have it delivered to your email inbox each weekend. It's our calendar of new releases throughout the year. It keeps track of books, movies and music relevant to the 80s and 90s. And we even include a couple of new reviews, one minute reviews of usually new albums that have come out in the past couple weeks. And if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us some positive feedback over at Apple Podcasts. So for Jay, I'm Tim. We are out. I'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. One hundred days in desert sand.